Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. No doubts. The VAR officials will have a look. It's straight through now. This is Hansen inside the penalty area. Ball across. Goal! It's in! Robin Laird with the goal! Wonderful goal in front of the wonder wall. A third goal of the campaign for Robin Lourdes and Minnesota United find the breakthrough with 10 minutes to go here. Welcome in to a very positive Loon Call today. Jonathan Harrison here guiding you through this quick recap as we get you immediate reactions after a huge win for the club. Minnesota United 1, Seattle Sounders 0. Minnesota breaking an eight-match winless run against the Seattle side. As I mentioned in our pre-match show, it's the first time they've beaten Minnesota has beaten a Seattle Sounders club in league play since 2008 when they got a 3-1 win against a Brian Schmetzer-led side back in the USL First Division, old USL First Division, just a couple miles away here from Allianz Field where we're recording. Jonathan Harrison here alongside special guest this week with very colorful socks, Callum Williams. Sir, how's it going? I'm good. I'm a bit exhausted after that, to be honest, because it was a lively encounter, wasn't it? So. That was a- Fun game. That was a great game. Great I love, game. love doing those kind of games, Johnny. Yeah. You know, when it's back and forth, there's lots of action. You know, I thought the, the first half left a little bit to be desired, but mm-hmm. the second half was fabulous. It was it was why we all love this sport. It was back and forth. There were challenges throughout the, the um, whole field. There were wonderful opportunities, good saves, chances missed. You could feel the, the groans and the, the, the frustration around the stadium. And then five minutes later, the excitement and mm-hmm. anticipation. It, th- this Sunday was really an example as to why we love this game. Absolutely. Before we get to the game, I want to talk about the broadcast a little bit, get, give people a little bit behind the scenes. Uh, national broadcast game, so that means ESPN comes in. They took Kendra D. St. Aubin with them. So that left a color analyst role open for us. You've done your work as a de facto producer today, and you got us center back, Michael Boxel. He was out injured, so we gave him something to do. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think uh, once he got settled, I, I thought he was really good. And, um, you know, it, it, it's quite interesting nowadays because we, with analysts in this sport, and I don't know what it's like in other sports, you'll have to educate me there, mate, but you, you do notice because the game has changed so much, particularly over the last 20 years, but mm-hmm. also the last 10 years as well, when you've got the players that are um, on set or in the booth, uh, whatever network or radio station you're watching or listening to, um, there is a certain way that the game is analysed because that's what they're familiar with. That's mm-hmm. the, the way that they played the game. Whereas now I think some of these players who have only just retired or like Boxy today are, are still playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you get a different. I think you get a different broadcast from them. I think you get a different sense of things. Like you know, for example, what the Sounders were doing today was really peculiar in terms of the the five three two um, yeah. or, or five two three rather, um, and Boxy didn't seem at all phased he was like right well yeah that's that's what they do and this is what <laughs> we'll, we'll just deal with it you know and, and and this is what happens here this person does this in this role you know and and, and I just think um and I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all in terms of older analysts um you know not not um I'm not saying they, they wouldn't be able to break it down but I think because it's so fresh mm-hmm. in the mindset of someone like a Michael Boxall it, it does offer a different perspective and um I thought it was descriptive. I, I thought he painted a picture very well, which, as you know more than anybody, you need to do on the radio. So, um, yeah, we'll have him back. Let, let's hope he gets back on the field soon. But, but, but if he's not, we'll have him back for sure. Absolutely. And you mentioned it. Uh, 
in other sports, you see it like to- with guys like Tony Romo, who went straight from quarterbacking the Dallas Cowboys right into the head, right into the number one CBS booth, and he's just been fantastic in the years he's done it, and it's really changed how networks have looked for their analysts. They used to go for the guys who used to be famous. Now they're going for the guys who literally just retired. ESPN's been apparently courting Peyton Manning for years now, and Peyton's just he's been holding them off, but. Guys like that, guys like Philip Rivers, quarterbacks who are just retiring, they're getting these offers from these TV networks because they see the game as it's played today, not how it was played, what, 20 years ago. So, yeah, I think what Michael, what Boxy brought today was fantastic. He he was able to describe things, and as as we told him beforehand going in, just just talk about the game because you know it better than all of us. You forget more about the game every day than we'll ever know. So he knows this game, and he sees things that we're probably not seeing because that's what he went, that's what he trained all week for. He saw Seattle, he studied the videotape all week with the team, so he knows how Minnesota were setting up and what they were looking for, so he was able to bring that picture to us. And I thought it was fantastic, he was fun. You guys had some great banter going back and forth. It was hmm. It was good stuff. And yeah. he, he tried to take your role with the, the French finish. In the I know, hand. I know. I'm going to watch my back, aren't I now? My <laughs> words. No, I, he, he was great. And, and like I said, I think the, the thing for me more than anything um, in, in an analytical role nowadays, mate, is that tell me something that I can't see. Tell yeah. me something I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I thought almost instantaneously Boxall was able to do that. Um, I worked with a, with a chap um, down in Miami uh, earlier this year called Nigel Rio Coca. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I noticed after sort of five or six minutes of we were doing a South American game and I noticed that after five or six minutes he said a few things and I kind of thought to myself, do you know what, I've never thought about that before. Yeah. You know? And Kindred East St. Auburn here does a great job as well in terms of the way that she analyzes the game as well. Um, it's, it's different. Every analyst, as we've already sort of insinuated, every analyst has their own way of doing things. Um, but Boxy today, um, as I thought he would really... Um, that's why you tried so hard to get him in. Yeah, I, I thought he excelled, and, and I thought he showed that he actually has a future if he wants to. Um, I don't know when he's going to finish playing. I think he's still got another four or five years yeah. left in him if he, if he wants to. He's obviously looked after himself and, and is in tip-top shape. So, um, But no, he was, he was great, and um, like I said, yeah, um, if, he, uh, if he remains injured, I hope he, he doesn't, but if he does remain injured, we'll certainly have him back. Absolutely. All right, that's enough about the broadcast. For, for anybody who didn't listen, we had Michael Boxwell join us. Uh, let's get to the game. Minnesota came out in this one very physical. Obviously, they had quite a bit of work after that Colorado match. It was a very disappointing match, um, and a lot was said about that in the week leading up to this game. And they came out really much... They attacked Seattle much more, and we figured they would with how Seattle were setting up. They are much more incisive early on. They couldn't really test Stefan Cleveland, but they really had... They really came out wanting this game more and wanting to show that Colorado, the game against Colorado isn't them that's not this team the game today that is this team and if they can continue to do that game in and game out that's a very dangerous squad going forward for the rest of the season I still thought particularly in the first half I still thought they were a little bit narrow Mm -hmm. uh, and they didn't utilize um, the overlapping fullbacks as much as they probably could have and um, I I know that's something they worked on in the week, um, having watched watched training. You and I were fortunate to to be there on on Saturday morning. Um, Because of the way that they expected the Sounders to set up, which is what they did with with a a 5-2-3 and and have um, these attacking, aggressive uh, wing backs, Mm -hmm. um, I thought there was a chance to get in behind. And I think in the first half, they they didn't do it as much as they probably would have wanted to. But I thought that changed in the second half. I don't know if Adrian had a word with them or whatever at halftime. I'm I'm, I'm assuming he did about that particular 
situation. But um, I, I thought that that once they they kept the ball away from the centre of midfield, away from João Paulo, um, I thought it was obvious um, that once you get in behind João Paulo, whether it is wide, and then you come in in between the in between the lines behind João Paulo, and you give the ball to Reynoso. Uh, or, or you find a Fragapane or a Lord when they invert and, and they tuck inside. I thought that again was was where they were at their most dangerous. And I, I thought I thought I thought Unu, uh, as he has continued to show, is a very unselfish player. Mm-hmm. A lot of centre forwards come into any any situation, but particularly a new situation, and they want to be the business. They want to be the the players making the headlines and scoring the goals. You know that's their job. I understand that. But but Azrian Unu seems to me, to be a real team player in the sense of, and I think Boxy may have even brought it up on the broadcast, that he does make a lot of secondary runs. He makes a lot of runs that aren't necessarily for him, but they are for others. He drags mm-hmm. a lot of players out. Difficult for him tonight going up against three centre-halves, as, as I know Boxy said. But there were times when, when he would play off the shoulder and he'd drop back as well, uh, and he would pull centre-halves out of positions, and all of a sudden you've seen Fragapane with a ball on the edge, you know, so... It's a very smart centre forward, you know. Um, I think at times he gets a bit isolated, and, and Minnesota may have to figure out how to change that. Um, but you know, I, I thought it was a, a good performance overall from from just about everybody for Minnesota United. Usually in matches like these, where one side is thought to be the lesser team, if you will, uh, Seattle coming into this one undefeated. They've had a heck of a run to start this season. They've had Minnesota's number since Minnesota came into the league. Usually, when the side that's thought less of and in this case, probably Minnesota going into this one off the back of that Colorado match. Usually when they get the win, there's always talk about what the better team, quote-unquote, didn't do, why they screwed up. I don't think we'll hear that this week because of how Minnesota played, especially in that second half. They really dominated the ball. They really were pulling Seattle in and out of positions that they didn't want to be in. And I think, I hope anyways, that we'll hear more about what Minnesota did right instead of what Seattle did wrong. Yeah, I hope so. But but as you say, you know, a lot of the media attention has been on Seattle Sounders. You know, they're on national TV three times in a row and what have you. The <laughs> next couple of weeks, you know, it's and, and I understand why. Yeah. You know, the, again, MLS Cup finalists for the what the fourth time in five years. You know, I understand yep. why um, they, they play in front of fifty thousand people every week at, at uh, Lumen Field. So I understand why. But um, yeah, I, I I hope you're right because again, I, I thought um, there were some some really good individual performances from Minnesota. I, I thought Dibassi was wonderful, and, and we, we mentioned several times, we hardly heard the name Raul Ruiz Diaz, exactly, because Dibassi yeah. literally had him in his pocket, and there, there was nothing that he could do about it. I thought Coleman, he made a fantastic play at the end as well, when the ball came in from the right, I think it was uh, Kellum Rowe played it in, and Coleman threw his body towards the ball, he was outstretched, and he had to make a touch if he didn't. I think Rui Diaz probably would have gobbled up the chance. But um, the two centre-halves did, did really, really well. I thought DJ Taylor gave another good account of himself exactly. as well. It just, yeah. just, just shows that he can play at this level. Um, and it was good to have, have Dotson and Trapp back in. Will Trapp, for me, was wonderful today. He, he's so calm on the ball. There was one particular ball in the first half where he dinked it over the top of the back line and, and he found Unu, uh, who went down, wanted a penalty which wasn't given. Um, you know, I, I think Will Trapp is one of these central midfielders that controls the flow of any team. Um, I'm not suggesting people play through Will Trapp, but um, he, he certainly can control um, a, a lot of, of how Minnesota United move. So um, I, I think thought Will Trapp's Trapp very underrated. That he gets Absolutely. a lot of stick for what he did at the national level. For some reason, that still hangs over him. But as we've seen so far this season, he's played a ton of minutes. I think he's played almost every single minute, bar a couple minutes in one match. But he's so accurate on the ball. He's able to find a pass 30, 40 yards out. He's just 
so consistent back there or in that midfield too, and he just calms things down. It was a completely obviously the the people were different on the in the midfields between the Colorado match and this match, but it just felt like a different midfield entirely because of the the way Hassani Dotson and Will Trap have been playing this season and played today specifically. Gives a little more protection to Hassani Dotson as well, mm-hmm. and, and in particular the front four as well, you know. So. Um, yeah, look, we'll trap. I agree with you there, Johnny. I think he's he's vastly underrated. I think he always, I think he always has been. I, I know they liked him in Columbus, but then obviously he, he was traded. He was allowed to to be let go, and, and obviously Miami picked him up, and it didn't work out. And I never understood why it didn't work in Miami. I, I know. I, mean, I think we're figuring out why things well, haven't yeah. worked out in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I, you know, I, I just I didn't understand. Why? He, he was probably yeah. the most experienced MLS player that they'd signed on that expansion roster. You wonder why it didn't work yeah. uh, as well as it should have done. So, a tremendous pickup, by the way, for Minnesota United. Free Absolutely. transfer. You know, I mean, what a deal that is. Mark Watson deserves a, a heck of a amount of credit for that kind of deal. So, and he's 28. You know, if he plays his cards right, he can play for Minnesota for the next three, four years, yeah. five or six years, and, and be a pivotal part for sure. Absolutely. Uh, a couple good good pickups this offseason, as has been shown, DJ Taylor. So far in his first couple appearances has shown really well on that right-back spot. Will Trapp, um, a guy who was also picked up this offseason, Nico Hansen. He's impressed early. He came on in, late in the second half. It was a little bit of an odd situation we were looking at because he came in for Adrian Onu. Nico Hansen isn't really the forward in that situation, so they moved Robin Lode up to the up top in the false nine that we've seen him play a handful of times. And it seemed that helped open up that three-man back line that Seattle were playing with all afternoon, was which was really stifling, as you mentioned earlier. It was really stifling any chance that Minnesota had, and then you put Robin Lode up there as the false nine to drop back and pull those center backs out, and it opens up a ton of spaces for them, and they quickly reverted back to a four-man back line. Yeah, and I think actually it, it actually spread and stretched that back line mm-hmm. more than they had been throughout the entirety of the game. Um, you know, the, the left back, um, it was Madrando when, when Hansen came on, I think at that stage, um, Seattle were, were trying to get something from the game, so he was much more higher up the field, and, and that gave a chance for Hansen to get in behind. But but that meant that the the remaining three, because Kellen Roll was far up the field as well, it meant that someone's got to come across, and, and Sissoko did come across, but it meant they were so stretched, and it meant that there were gaps that were there to be exploited. It meant that if Hansen goes inside, he can play it into uh, Manuel Reynoso and, and into Franco Fragapani and what have you, you know, so... I think um, I think Nico Hansen gives you you something again off the bench that that Minnesota have got in the shape of Ethan Finlay for sure. But I think Nico Hansen is Ethan Finlay sort of five years ago, um, and I mean that with all due respect as well because I still think Ethan's a terrific player. But but Nico Hansen is you know one of these um, blue collar um, you know roster players that you you have as backup and you have to do exactly what he came in and, and, and did yeah. today. And you're paying him 150 grand a year or whatever it is, you know, in a salary cap league. And um, I think he was a perfect signing. I, I can't remember off the top of my head what Minnesota had to trade to, to get for him, but I don't think it was an awful lot. Yeah, they, the, as you mentioned, Mark Watson doing a heck of a job. Hasn't made many wrong moves since he took over that role. And Nico Hansen and Will Trapp and DJ Taylor, they're really showing what, they're, what they've been able to do in this offseason. I know you're shaking your head there. I know we've got Juan Aguadello and Ramon Avila to talk about eventually, but... We didn't have to see Ramon Avila tonight because of the red card he <laughs> earned yep. against Colorado. That's one way of describing it. <laughs> Dan and I were kind of harsh on it last week. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that later, if at all. Um, the big news, though, so that's, that's been 
that was Minnesota's 1-0 win. The big news that came out the second half of our match that kind of took the league by storm here a little bit, kind of shocked a lot of people across the league. Gabriel Heinze out. I know in the offseason when we heard that he was coming in, you and I were both excited because we've, we've watched what he, he did down in Argentina, and we figured if he can get Joseph Martinez on side, if he can get that roster on side, Atlanta's going to be a really tough team again. 17 games in across all competitions, he's already gone because he isolated Joseph Martinez, kind of booted him from the locker room, and you don't want to do that when he's one of the best, if not the current best goal scorer in this league. Yeah, there's there's clearly something that has happened behind closed doors here, isn't there? Something has clearly been said. There's been a disagreement of some sort, which has led to Joseph Martinez training on his own. Um, I think, and look, we can only speculate because we don't yeah. know the details. And I'm sure, I hope those details are shared at some stage because I think just about everybody involved in this league wants to know what's happened there because it, it is an eyebrow raiser, isn't it? Atlanta United, whatever people want to say, particularly in this market, that they are one of the most successful franchises in the league yeah. and there is genuine expectation for them. Um, I thought when Einzer was, was appointed, I thought to myself, what a tremendous hire that is because he was held in such high regard, did a great job um, with Argentinos Juniors and, and Velez Sarsfield as well. Um, he, he was great and, and was viewed as one of the upcoming managers in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And, and such as, as this league continues to develop in attracting young Argentines and young South Americans, it seems as though they've, they've moved in that direction with the managers as well. And Anza is a prime example of that. Um, so, like I said, something has clearly happened and it seems as though those around Joseph Martinez, whether it's the players or the front office or maybe even more of the coaching staff that, that have worked with Einzer, because remember, he only brought in one or two. We didn't change the entirety of the staff. Um, they, they decided to, to side with, with Joseph Martinez. And, um, you know, when you've, when you've been around somebody for what Martinez has been at the club for five years now, um, you make a lot of relationships. Unless you're not a very nice person, you, you, <laughs> you, you absolutely develop some relationships, and you become close with people. I, I, look, I, I can't really comment in terms of what, what Einzer has done, but clearly whatever he's done, not only has he frustrated Joseph Martinez, he's annoyed those around him as well. And, yeah. and if you're the new kid on the block doing that against someone who is beloved, it's never going to go down very well. Absolutely, and we saw the result of it today. Atlanta United parting ways with Gabriel Heinze. That means they're on their third coach in the last three three years. Three years after since basically winning MLS Cup in twenty twenty or twenty eighteen, they're now on their third head coach in three years. All of a sudden it seems to be breaking down in Atlanta. I know many Minnesota United fans won't feel a tinge of sadness for them, but the league is now without Gabriel Heinze as he's moving on to his next thing. Now we wait to see what's next for Atlanta United and there's already rumors that Frank DeBoer says he'd He'd welcome return, but I don't think Atlanta is going to welcome that return. Can I also say as well, thinking about this, right, mm-hmm. there's now a vacancy at Atlanta United and Toronto FC. Yeah. Massive clubs in this league who have big budgets. I, I know from what Toronto have done in the past, they've gone and gone the, the domestic route and, yeah. and done well with Greg Vanny and what have you. It didn't go so well with Chris Armas, but, but that's what they've done. Atlanta have gone the international route. Mm-hmm. And I'll be interested to see what happens with both now. But I, th- I think I mentioned this to you at training yesterday. If I'm either of those teams, if I'm Toronto or I'm Atlanta, I've got a massive budget. I'm going to go for Marcelo Gajardo at River Plate. Absolutely. Because he's 44 years of age. He, he's cracked it in Argentina. He has been wonderful with River Plate. They, they've um, always been challenging the league. 
Um, they're doing very well in the Copa Libertadores. Um, he, he has a, a ton of ambition. Um, for me, it's the perfect signing for either Atlanta or Toronto. There so were the rumors that he was going to be the inner Miami coach when, uh, well, yeah. when they were coming in, and that never just worked out for some reason. Who knows what happened there? But there was the rumors that he was already, he's already been linked at one time with an MLS club. I totally agree with you. From what we've seen, what he's been able to do with River Plate, they won the Copa Libertadores a couple of years ago against their rivals, Boca Juniors. Oh, yeah. And so he's... And he's been linked with a ton of jobs in Europe. If you're yep. if you're going to spend a lot of money on your coach, go get one of the best Argentinian coaches out there right now. Yeah, I, I just I just wonder what either Toronto or Atlanta do. For me, that makes almost too much sense. And and they're, they're going to have to part with some money to get him, no yep. doubt. You know, River Plate aren't just going to let him go. But for for me, that would be beyond obvious. But like I said, you know, I. I don't know uh, if, if Darren Eels, with his connections, maybe he looks at, uh, at England and wants to get somebody in from the Premier League. Um, Eddie Howe, we talked about him yesterday. Eddie he still uh, doesn't have a job for uh, some reason. That's a great shout. Eddie Howe, again, if you pile enough money in his bank account, I'm sure he would yeah. be thrilled to come over. Um, you know, and, and like I said, with Toronto, we, we just don't know as well. I mean, um, I, I get the feeling they're going to go domestic. But as I've said, yeah, th- th- those are two managers there that I think should absolutely be on MLS shortlists, particularly... MLS clubs like Atlanta and Toronto. Absolutely. Cal, that has been the Loon Call. Thank you for joining me. Oh, we've done already. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. Like I told you before, and it's only 20 minutes. (laughs) We're now at 21, so we've spent our time talking about this one, reminiscing about a great Minnesota United 1-0 win today. Cal, I will talk to you next week. Come on, let's get the brew hole. I'll buy you a beer. Let's do this. All right. That has been the Loon Call. Remember to give us a rating, a review, a, subs- a subscription. You can find us anywhere you find your podcast. And the Loon-, and Loon Talk, the other podcast on this feed, can be found as well anywhere you find your podcast, as well as Scornos YouTube channel. Make sure to go give us a view over there. It does really help us get found. Thank you. We will talk to you tomorrow night, Dan and I. We'll be back for Loon Talk tomorrow night. To be your best every day, You need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples... Temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.